Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers with Kutuanus Kosana Ritchie. This is episode 10 of season 2, the finale on wellness. And you're going to love this conversation because it brings us full circle to where it all started one year ago, the beauty industry. And yes, it's happy birthday, Shades and Layers. As the self-love and wellness movement grows, taking care of your skin is something of a go-to ritual. And my guest today is leading the charge in South Africa's skin and hair care movement. Matebe Mudise is the founder of Beauty on Tap, an e-commerce platform for all things beauty, and they are soon launching an in-house brand called Pastry Skincare. In this conversation, we discuss why she started her company in the first place. We find out what it is that makes her the right person to lead a community of natural beauty enthusiasts and why her memoir would be called Accidentally Beautiful if she wrote one. Oh, and one more thing you need to take note of is that Matebe is doing all this amazing work with Beauty on Tap while holding down a full-time job as a chartered accountant. I hope this interview will inspire you as much as I was inspired. And without further ado, here is Matebe on how she views and describes the work that she does. So I founded Beauty on Tap in 2014 and it's a tech business and I'm not a tech person. I'm a finance person. I'm a chartered mm-hmm. accountant. And so we started this application. I had a co-founder at the time and it took really long to pick up. So for a very long time, I mean, my co-founder left because he was like, this thing is a, is a dad um, and I bought him out. Mm-hmm. And um, for a long time, I was like, the founder, the, you know, the social media, like everything, I was doing everything by myself, except mm-hmm. for like deliveries. Mm-hmm. And so over the past year, uh, the business has kind of like just completely turned around and skyrocketed, I think due to the pandemic and people becoming uh, comfortable with online shopping. Sure. Yeah. Um, now I have a small team mm-hmm. that I work with. And I'm kind of leading the business, but I'm still very um, involved in like training everyone because I was alone for a long time. Right. Um, Which is really great because I have insight into every single thing now. Mm -hmm. Um, And you become more empathetic because you kind of know where you dropped the ball before. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm leading the team now and... I still do social media that I won't let go of because it's so fun. Um, (laughs) And yeah, that's pretty much what I do at the business. Yeah. And what was the original idea behind Beauty on Tap? So the original idea was find a service. It was more like, oh, you know, it was my friend's wedding and we needed a makeup artist in Cape Town. And we're not from Cape Town, so we didn't know Mm. anyone. Mm -hmm. I was just so weird that there's no app where you can just you know, look for beauty services, a directory. So it started out as like, uh, find a service app, find a beauty service provider um, on an app, a directory. And because we had this product side, everyone was like, um, you know, we're having to go to different people to find products. Why can't we just come onto one platform Mm -hmm. um, and find Mm -hmm. it on one platform? Because if there are multiple Suppliers, it's like we have to buy a shea butter here, a hairspray here. We just want to incur one shipping fee. So then it kind of transformed into an e-commerce website that started very small. Mm. Um, 
on a website that had a very bad user experience. And we've kind of evolved um, since then into a fully fledged um, e-commerce store. Mm. 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 And, um, you know, people are getting more comfortable with the idea of shopping online. Of course, that leads to growth. And how do you feel you have managed this growth leap that you're seeing? Um, so I remember when I was in uh, articles or studying for my degree, uh, the one uh, audit risk that or it wasn't really an audit risk, it was more a business risk where you needed controls was that um, if you grow too fast, there are going to be risks. You're going to start dropping balls. And, yeah. you know, companies that have super fast growth, um, auditors were taught to look into those uh, deeper to make sure that the controls are okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I've learned is that you can't grow too fast. Um, so, you know, Beauty on Tap is an efficient company. We deliver on time and we've kind of had to like um, control that growth, kind of like pull it back a bit. Um, because we don't want a situation where we grow too fast and now we're dropping balls. So mm. um, in terms of like adding brands, we've had to like kind of take it slow, you know, right. in terms of uh, pushing marketing, we've had to kind of like stagger it a bit to make sure that, you know, every month's growth is not like, you know, a hockey stick kind of growth. It's mm-hmm. kind of just mm-hmm. like that we can handle so we've been you know curating the right brands the right products onto the store um adding brands that fit into our brand but we've also kind of been um doing it responsibly as well to make sure that we don't drop the great customer service element of our business yeah because that's a big big thing um Mm. i like that because uh, it talks to branding so what what are you known for among your customers We're a very plugged-in company brand, a high engagement rate with our consumers, with our customers, our community. Um, So we're known for um, educating and um, engaging with consumers on our social media pages, uh, calls, anything, any communication channel. Um, And we're also known for efficiency. So um, our order turnaround times are super fast. Um, and that's why I said that it's important for us to grow um, within reach. So um, if, you know, you went up to somebody, a Beauty on Tap a community member and said, what do you know Beauty on Tap for? I think they'll say, um, educates us and delivers fast. So you're kind of like a cult type of brand. Yeah, yeah Beauty on Tap has a, a very strong cult. <laughs> I've noticed. <A> community. <laughs> Community, not cult, we call them community. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. But you've got um, very dedicated and loyal. Yeah. A friend said to me, the best way to build a brand is to build a cult. He was like, go look at the top beauty brands and go look at how their consumers or their community or cult engages with them. Mm-hmm. And he said, once you have a cult following, um, people want to be part of the cult firstly. So you'll always have people coming into the cult. Mm. Um, and he said, your cult will speak for you every single day. Mm. He's like, you won't even have to market. They'll just do it for you. Yeah. That's mm. fantastic. So do you have like, uh, people you work with, uh, professionally in that, in that sense? Because of course you have your consumer who will buy and is loyal, but then, you know, do you have brand ambassadors and that type of thing? No, I don't. Okay. Um, Interesting, yeah. (laughs) We started off with the whole brand ambassador thing and Mm. then we were kind of like, 
you know, how does it add value? And, you know, maybe one day I'll go back and say, okay, we need brand ambassadors now because I feel like it will add value in such and such a way. But I think the way that we have proven ourselves to our community, and I always say community because your community includes people who aren't customers. So your community includes people who don't buy from you um, because maybe you're an aspirational brand. They Mm. want to start buying Mm. from you one day school or university and they just like you know one day i'm gonna shop there so i mean we have a community that that tweets at three in the morning that they're on the website and we're just like yo we have people Mm. constantly talking for us all the time you know and we always make sure we respond to every single comment dm we engage with people all the time so i don't think an ambassador is necessary at the moment yeah um yeah we have a really great um community that speaks for our brand every single day. Is this where you intended to be by now? Or has uh, the business kind of transformed in unexpected ways? I think the pandemic shifted it. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect to be here now. Like the past month, we've just been like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Um, And I didn't expect that this is where we'd be. So I'm grateful for it. I'm so, so grateful that this is the route that the business took. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people like, um, Beauty on Tap's growth has been so, not spiritual, but it's been so purposed because right. we've kind of had building blocks that everything kind of falls into place somehow. Like, you know, you have a pandemic that, you know, pushes your business up. And then you have this retail scandal and everyone is saying, no, buy from uh, Beauty on Tap. Um, Mm, And you kind of mm, had like mm. so many events happening, like sequenced events that, you know, built the business. Mm. And so, you know, I've always had people saying to me, this is is purposed, it's not a fluke. So embrace it. So I'm really grateful that the business has grown the way that it has. And it obviously is complemented by hard work. You know, I have people who are very passionate about the business working Mm. in it. Um, I have a community that's passionate about it. And we work super hard um, within the business to make sure that we don't disappoint anyone. Um, Even our stakeholders, like our suppliers, we're very close to. So, you know, we didn't expect this, but we're embracing it and we're pushing ahead. And we're hoping that next year we're even a we can double what we're doing now and mm. even bigger mm. So there's an element of right place, right time. Uh, mm. Because, I mean, it doesn't take a genius. Skincare, hair care, they're just, you know, exploding mm. uh, at the moment. Yes. I mean, what's your take on this? I don't think it's a trend. I think beauty is always relevant. But what's your take on how things are evolving as far as skincare, um, particularly skincare goes, you know, there's Pharrell with his brand, J Lo, and I mean, everyone has a skincare brand. So, what do you think happened? And um, there was someone's page I was looking at the other day. It was a male, I think it was a male rapper. And I was like, even he has a skincare brand. What's going on? <laughs> oh. So, I think uh, because of the pandemic, people weren't using makeup anymore. So, you're kind of seeing a shift now. You're seeing. Mm. Um, Color cosmetics, which is makeup, kind of like, you know, slowing down a bit. Mm. Um, And you're seeing um, skincare skyrocket. So I think it's a combination of one, 
uh, one, people aren't wearing makeup, so they're at home. They care a lot for their skin a lot more. Mm. Uh, people are wearing masks. It's causing acne, so people now are looking for solutions. People say that I've never had acne in my life. Now I have acne. Um, mm. So yes. just from yeah. a and obviously you're in a pandemic. You're in a a um, in a situation where your health is being impacted. So I think mm. the whole self care thing has um, come to the fore. Um, I couldn't tell you why skincare has skyrocketed and not hair care. Um, hair care kind of decelerated a bit mm. and skincare pushed ahead a lot. Um, right. And I think a lot of brands have seen the trend and have jumped onto it. And with skincare, we kind of, we kind of like uh, went from natural skincare movement to science-based now. So before we right. saw a lot of people saying, use clean beauty, don't use chemicals. And now everyone is saying one science-based, um, even if it has chemicals in it or acids, if you can prove to me it works, um, I want it. So I think the pushback on natural and the science-based thing is what's pushing uh, skincare. So I think uh, you're in touch with trends, of course. You know, when I look from the outside, you knew which mm -hmm. way to shift the focus before, you know, the changes even occurred. So how do you keep yourself ahead of the trends, both in terms of the products you should have, the practices you should implement, etc.? We have a very um, focused community. So mm -hmm. even just scrolling on our timeline, like we can see exactly what people are talking about. We look at what international brands are doing. So I have my eye on one, a lot of international brands. I'm plugged into a lot of international e-commerce stores. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of see what um, products are trending on their websites, what ingredients are then trending on their websites. Because when we source um, skincare products, we source based on ingredient. So if someone sends me a proposal, I'll look through the ingredients to see what differentiates your brand. Um, and how do you mm. compete against the brands you already have? And I follow a lot of YouTubers, international right. and um, and local. I look at what they're talking about. I look at what ingredients are going to trend uh, this year. What is makeup coming back? Is it not? Mm. Um, if relaxers are back in, if people are relaxing their hair again, you know, how do you then reposition natural hair products to be relaxed hair friendly? Um, right. So it's a combination of things. It's just having your ear on the ground and leveraging, uh, you know, digital resources to um, into, you know, what's happening overseas, especially. Um, so it's a combination of uh, platforms that we tap into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are listening to Shades and Layers with Gudwanus Kwasana Ritchie. My guest today is Matebe Mudise founder of the e-commerce platform Beauty on Tap. In this next part of our conversation, we talk role models, funding, logistics, pricing strategy, and most importantly, business goals and dreams that are centered around black women. So who are your mentors? So I don't have people as mentors. There are obviously a lot of people that I look up to, um, even just from a, from a CA perspective. There are a mm. lot of women I look up to that I listen to, that, you know, I try to talk to if I can. But because I run an e-commerce store, I read up a lot on e-commerce founders. 
um, I started reading up on the cult beauty story and I, I follow the cult beauty um, founders, you know, Sephora is owned by LVMH. So, uh, you know, there isn't really mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. there isn't really face. somebody to mm-hmm. follow it. old, old business. Yeah. There's no face of it. So I have a lot of people that I look up to silently. I mean, Theo who owns Batu shoes, oh, yeah. um, I'm following story quite closely because that's really inspirational mm. um i'm also just inspired by people around me um i have a friend offensive she owns a furniture store and um she left corporates to go run it mm. you know time so there's so many pieces from people that i get it's not like one person there's just a lot of gems from a lot of sources that i um that i you know, use every single day to navigate my business. Mm. Have you always wanted to run a business? In the talk I did yesterday, I was actually talking about how at 13, I asked my mom to register a company for me called Bakatsi Investments, which was supposed to be a woman um, owned holding company. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized that because when Beauty on Tap started, I said, I want to empower female owned local beauty businesses so i realized that i went back to that business that i started when i was just 13 so you know people always ask me why did you become a ca and i say you know they said to me i'll always have a job um so i followed the whole ca route but i suppose my passion was always in starting this business that empowers women it kind of came back to to bite so how long are you going to remain a CA? I'm really grateful I did this degree. Um, it's risk averse, yes. Beauty on Tap's growth has probably been slow because I'm very risk averse. Mm. Well, not slow now. Um, but it's a very critical skill, I think. So I'll always, you know, tap into my CA brain. Mm. Um, and then I don't know, you know... It, I always say to my mom, every time I leap into the business, I always fear that oh, we won't be able to pay rent or, you know, <laughs> oh, we, a car, we won't be able to pay the car. But, you know, every time we do something, it works out. So now everyone's like, well, when are you going to be full-time beauty on tap? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I'll be able to pay myself a salary. So no it's pressure, just no. faith. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, I'll lean on faith. I think, um, my coach said to me, when the time is right, you'll know and you'll do it. Right. Oh, that's great. You have a life coach or business coach? Yeah, I had a career coach. Um, right. I just finished. Now I had a one-year course course with her, kind of. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Um, what was I going to ask you? It was about, yeah, being a tech founder. There must be a lot of funds available for companies such as yours. So do you plan to go for a round of funding or you want to keep it organic? So I thought I wanted to get funding. And then my best friend was like, girl, do not do it. Cause she's, um, she's been in private equity and corporate mm. finance. And she was like, if your business can fund itself and can fund its own growth, mm-hmm. um, rather go that route. Mm. Um, and I've been lucky to have a full-time job and, um, and this business at the same time, because Sometimes my full-time job has bankrolled um, the company just because it's such a high working capital intensive sure. company. You're constantly stuck and obviously it takes so long for stock to convert to, to cash. Mm. But it will be like 
you know, days apart. Like I just need to bridge it for two days until whatever. So I want to see, and you know, the one thing I've always said to people is one day people write about beauty on tap because it's a business that's purely grown based on a black female consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to see if this business can fully fund itself and sustain itself into, into scaling because I want to be able to tell the story that this business was grown by black women, you know, um, that black women fueled this company. They're the ones who funded it organically. It didn't happen through any external funding. So that's my ambition. I want to see if I can actually make that happen because I don't know. I think I want to prove that the one consumer people don't think about is the black woman, but they've been able to fund this company. Yeah. Um, so I want to see how long I can um, push it out. It also depends on ambition, right? So is it your ambition to be a millionaire and sell this, you know, company after you've grown it to a certain size? Or, you know, there's a greater meaning to what you're doing and you want to create an institution type of thing. So it's uh, two different choices, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, are yeah. they contradictory in your mind or...? I don't ever want to let go. I don't want to exit. I don't want to have somebody saying we want to mm. buy you out. Um, I love running this company. It's so fun. It's so fun engaging with people and curating beauty like products. And it's really fun. And just learning. I mean, I'm not a tech person. I don't know e-commerce. Mm. Um, every single day I'm learning. And it's just like constantly, um, you know, being engaged and learning. And so I just... Maybe when I'm old, I'll be like, oh, I'm so over this. But for now, I'm still very much in sure. and engaged. Yeah. Mm. So what does uh, growth look like for a company like yours? Um, so I think for me, it's obviously scaling this brand that we're launching, um, Pastry Skin Care, and maybe evolving into hair care as well. And, you know, maybe having um, beauty on tap. Uh, brands that you know maybe there might be different there might be another skincare brand that we launched that's clean mm-hmm. so um i'm really keen on on growing that side of it uh developing our own products which is really fun it's such a fun exercise um and then growth for me looks like having multiple brands on the platform having accessible brands on the platform and starting to ship onto the continent and globally. Mm. Um, I think the internet has made the world this small, tiny, yep. tiny. Yeah. So, you know, you can start competing with other big global brands and, you know, you have the advantage of a weak brand. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you can get shipping rights, you know, um, yep. Yep. and I always say I wish South Africa could become an e-commerce hub for the continent. I wish yep. they can look at it as an opportunity Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can kind of get shipping costs right, then I can't wait to launch and become a global brand. Sure. Um, so that's in the pipeline for, yeah. you know, the dream for now. Yeah. It is quite a challenge, the logistics. I always look at people's, you know, products online and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I want to shop. And then you see uh, shipping costs, same price as I you know. Nope, not doing exactly. that. <laughs> Yeah, And, you know, like, 
when we when we price international brands because we have a lot of international brands now on our website mm. so when we price now we have to see what's that e-commerce store in the uk pricing at what's that e-commerce store in the us mm. pricing at mm. will our consumers rather go there um you know what's the pricing bracket we can kind of like use as a convenience uh fee mm. um mm. So we really need to get uh, shipping costs right in South Africa. It's yeah, so logistics is a anything. big thing. Yeah. yeah. I saw there are a lot of, just on a side note, there are a lot of people moving in there because, of course, you know, the infrastructure or the postal services, they're just not mm. up to the task anymore. So it's, yeah. a, it's a big opportunity. You're quite right. You're listening to Shades and Layers, and after that little geek out, it's time to get to know Matebe on a more personal level. And once you hear her backstory, you will understand why she has the confidence to go after her dreams. When I caught up with her, she had just done a TED talk at work, which she refers to during our conversation. And now we'll find out how she grew up, how she balances all the demands of her life, her self-care routine, and other things that make her the person that she is. Top three memories of how you grew up. Um, so I grew up in Soweto first eight years of my life. And then I moved to the Burbs with my mom. Mm-hmm. Soweto, we lived with my gran. Mm-hmm. And I went to a school in Santon. So I was actually saying in my talk yesterday, I had to straddle this um, Santon life during the day and then Soweto in the afternoon. Yeah, And... Yeah, I I have a I have a very privileged upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm honest about it. Um, I went to a great school. I had great opportunities. So I do have fond memories. I think my first fond memory that I have and that they always remind me of is, I think the entrepreneurship bug was always in me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like eight, I took all my dolls. And I made a decision that I'm going to sell them. And my justification was that I'm old. I don't need dolls. So I might as well just <laughs> yeah. and make some money. Uh, because my friends were like, we need money. And I was like, don't worry. I have dolls. We can sell them. <laughs> and I went and I sold all my dolls, like Barbies, everything. And my cousins went to my grandmother, my older cousin. And he was like, she sold all her dolls today. Go ask her where they are. And she um, smacked me on the bum and she was like, you have to go find all those dolls. And I was like, I've already spent the money. And she was like, I don't know what you're going to do. Just go find those dolls. (laughs) So the entrepreneurship thing has always um, been such a bad bite. Um, I went to such a great school. So my school memories are just amazing. Mm. Um, Which school did you go to? I went to Red Hill. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. Yes. Nice one. Yeah. So I went to such an amazing school. Like I still have my friends from there. So I just have so many memories from from Red Hill. Mm. You know, I have so many fond memories, just Christmases. My grandmother used to just make um, Christmas so awesome. So I'm a very family-orientated person as well, right. just because of my upbringing. Mm. Yeah. And you're an only mm. child? I have a younger brother. He's 10 years younger than me, yeah. Okay. Is he mm-hmm. also getting into business? He is. He's um, he's actually just bought a bakery, so he's going to be um, opening it soon. He's just refurbishing and everything. Yeah. Um, he he leans on me a lot, which is so cute. Um, so <laughs> he's definitely always been a very ambitious person. So this isn't surprising. 
mm. on his mm. side. Yeah, you had a great childhood, and you must have had a lot of great grown-ups around you as well. Who gave you the um, best advice that you still live by today? My grandmother. My grandmother. I even tweeted this, and it like had like twenty-seven thousand likes. She used to mm. affirm me all the time. Like I've never doubted myself in any way. Mm. Um, even when she had Alzheimer's, uh, she passed away in twenty nineteen. She mm. couldn't remember me, but she was just like, "I don't remember me, but you're so pretty." And she'd always just say, "You're so pretty. You're so beautiful. You're such a nice person." And I was just like, "Yo, this woman still affirms me, even though she doesn't know who I am." Mm. Um, and it just goes such a long way to be told every day by someone that you that you're loved. You know, um, you're so pretty. You're so beautiful. Um, and it's just such a confidence booster mm. because you just go out into the world and you're so confident. And it's so important for young black girls to hear stuff like that, mm. um, to hear every day from someone that, you know, I believe in you. Yeah. You go out into the world and you don't doubt yourself. Um, so that was probably like, I mean, I have an amazing mother. My mom was like my best friend. Mm. But, you know, the one thing I always tell people, she's like, why were you so obsessed with granny? And I'm like, because she just loved me so much, you know? Mm. I was like, Granny used to tell me I'm pretty every day. So, yeah, my grandmother played a big role in just my confidence and who I am today. So mm. what are your dreams for yourself? I want to own a super big company um, mm. that's majority run by Black women. And by run, I mean, like, from packing staff to drivers to CFOs. I want to be a grounded person in, you know, spirit, family, and, you know, friends. Mm. It's so hard to start a company this big. Well, not this big, a company that's growing so fast and um, balancing just life and mental health and happiness. How do you take mm. care of yourself, especially these parts you've mentioned, spirit, mm. family? Um, so I was saying to you, the only alone time I have is sleep. Mm. And I work out a lot. Um, so I go to gym very often. I go like six times a week mm. uh, because that's my time. Like it's time to myself. Um, you know, I can sit with my thoughts when I'm gymming. People are like, how are you with your thoughts when you're gymming? I'm like, I'm, when I'm working out, I'm actually thinking about like so much and just like processing stuff. So it's my quiet time. Mm. Um, and I'm such a homebody <laughs> and I've learned... <laughs> Yeah, I've learned how to say no to people. If I don't want to go out, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I want to be home. Um, oh, yeah, there's German alone time. And I'm also a very faithful person. I don't go to church every single Sunday. Mm. Um, my mom does that. But I'm very spiritual. So that's why I say to you, um, I see Beauty on Taps, the business, as very spiritually purposed. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm a very spiritual person. And I believe that it's a gift to me from God. Mm. So that's why I do so much um, care. Right. So mm. there's gym, there's uh, alone time. What about the social aspect? What do you do? Uh, social wise, um, I go out with my friends all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I love traveling. I mean, obviously that's kind of stopped now, um, but I'm a very social person. I mean, I'm going to Cape Town with friends tomorrow. Um, oh, nice. I, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, I love being around people. Uh, I love my friends so much. I love my family so much. So if I can get together with them and also balance with alone time, um, I really do. So I'm a very outgoing person as well. So we were t- we're still talking self-care. Uh, I think I read somewhere that you actually do the 10 steps of the Korean skincare. Was that accurate or did I, did I read the wrong thing? <laughs> Probably not ten. It's probably seven. Probably <laughs> seven. So yeah, um, I naturally have really bad skin, um, very stubborn skin, and because of the whole skincare movement, and because I do so much research for mm-hmm. Beauty on Tap, now I know exactly what to use. Right. I was telling friends, oh my god, for the first time in my life, I don't have to wear makeup every day because my skin is fine. Mm. Um, so I probably do seven steps. So, I mean, I, I cleanse, I, I tone, I use two serums, I use uh, cream and I use sunscreen. Um, mm. sometimes I pre-cleanse and double cleanse and those are then the additional, um, right. three steps that get me to the 10. Mm. Um, but even when I travel, like my travel bag has a skincare <laughs> a separate skincare bag because <laughs> I travel with so much skincare, but it works. It works. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think there's something affirming about rituals. Mm, mm, it's very nice. I enjoy it. So if you hadn't started Beauty on Tap, what do you mm-hmm. think uh, you'd be doing? I know you have a full-time job, but uh, what other you know passions do you think you could have pursued? Um, I'd probably be married with kids. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, I feel like this whole business has delayed that, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, everything happens in good time. Um, if I didn't have this business, I'd probably be studying because before I started Beauty on Tap, I was looking into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even after I started it, I said to people, I really want to go to business school. I think it can help me. Mm-hmm. And people said to me, people go to business school to start Beauty on Taps. And they were like, you've kind of already done it. So just see it through and see mm-hmm. how far you get. And then if you feel you still need it, um, go pursue that. So I definitely would have been um, in school as well. Right. So one couple of last things that I ask people. Uh, this one is special, especially for you. If you had to write a memoir, what would it be called? It would be called Accidentally Beautiful. Why? Um, Because I fell into this industry by accident, I think. Cool. Um, Yeah, and it evolved into something beautiful as well. Great. And what's your superpower? This is a superpower I think I inherited from my mom. And it's that I can get along with anyone. Like it doesn't have, it can be, anyone in the world, I'll probably get along with them. And that's just, that's just something I've learned from my mother. Probably that, yeah. Awesome. Mateve, mm. it has been an absolute pleasure. I think I could speak to you all day and I would attempt, but I'm conscious that you have a life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ben. I really enjoyed this. Uh, where can people find you or follow you on social media? So my social media is kind of quiet now, but it's my personal one is Matebs, Matebs on Twitter with a Z. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of active on Twitter, Instagram. I'm like completely dead. I've just kind of tuned out a bit, which has helped me a lot. 
and then beauty on tap all pages are at beauty on tap um, people can can follow there perfect and that is all for this season of shades and layers thank you for your support and suggestions for content and interviews special thanks goes out to sue angel nyeleting guna maria mccloy and Simpuas Kosana for all their work behind the scenes. She's in Layers will be on hiatus during the month of July and returns again with fresh episodes in August. I will not leave you hanging in the meanwhile. There will be some bonus episodes based on the last two seasons between now and the end of June. The next season of the podcast will focus on creative entrepreneurship with special emphasis on handmade, slow design and sustainability. If you would like to hear from any black women entrepreneurs in this space, please feel free to get in touch with your suggestion via the email address hello at shadesandlayers.com. Thank you so much. And until next time, do take good care.